The Creepshow podcast contains content that is not suitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to The Creep Show. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. And today's episode, we are talking about the men in black. Men in black. But not not quite those men in black. But it's oh, inspired. Those, <laughs> that was inspired by these men in black. But, you know, Will Smith's not involved, unfortunately. This is all alleged for legal reasons. What do you know about the men in black? Other than the other movies. Than other than the movies. <laughs> so, in popular culture and UFO conspiracy theories, the men in black, or the MIB, are supposed men supposed men, dressed in black suits who claim to be quasi-government agents who harass, threaten, and sometimes even assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they have seen. The term is also frequently used to describe mysterious men working for unknown organizations, as well as various branches of the government allegedly designed to protect secrets or perform other strange activities. The term is generic used for any unusual, threatening, or strangely behaved individual who appeared, whose appearance on the scene can be linked in some fashion with a UFO sighting. Several alleged encounters with the men in black have been reported by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. Stories about alleged real-life men in black inspired the semi-comic science fiction Men in Black franchise in an album by The Stranglers. Folklorist James R. Lewis compares accounts of MIB with tales of people encountering Lucifer and speculates that they can be considered a kind of psychological drama. In the late 1950s and 60s... Like the devil? Huh? Like the devil? Yeah. It's like people who, like, they're just saying that it's a psychological thing. It's not real. Oh, Yeah. So, in the 1950s and 60s, ufologists adopted a conspiratorial mindset and began to fear that they would be subject to organized intimidation and retaliation for discovering the, quote, truth of the UFOs. So, this is from a History.com article. As the story goes, on June 27, 1947, Harold Dahl was on a conservation mission on the Puget Sound near the eastern shore of Washington's Maury Island gathering logs whenever he saw six donut-shaped obstacles hovering about a half a mile above his boat. Before long, one of them fell nearly 1,500 feet, followed by raining metallic debris, some of which hit Dahl's son, Charles, on his arm, as well as the family dog, who unfortunately didn't survive the ordeal. Dahl was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera, which he later showed to his supervisor, Fred Chrisman, a skeptical uh, Chrisman went back to the scene to look for himself and saw a strange aircraft with his own eyes. The following morning, Dahl was visited by a man in a black suit. They end up at a local diner where the man was able to recount extraordinary detail what Dahl had just experienced. Quote, What I have said is proof to you that I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will want to believe. End quote. According to the author, author Gray Barker's 1956 book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, Dahl was told not to speak of the incident. If he did, bad things would happen to him. In all their different incarnations, the men in black usually have one main purpose, to muzzle witnesses of strange paranormal phenomena. They almost always wear black suits and hats with dark sunglasses, drive black cars, <coughs> and arrive in groups of two or three. Some uh, describe them as would 
an FBI agent, while others recall the MIB as having strange appearances, sometimes with supernatural features like glowing eyes and strange complexions. Hmm. So how did we get from Harold Dahl to Will Smith? (laughs) 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 Quote, the transformation of the story from a first press report to a folklore tale to a comic book and now to a film illustrates how the myth is transformed, end quote wrote Phil Patton in the New York Times around the time the first Men in Black movie was released in 97. That process is not unlike the children's game of telephone or what they, uh, literary critic Harold Bloom called innovation by misinterpretation. Sticking with the telephone analogy, the first call was made to Kenneth Arnold, a pilot who had his own alleged UFO sighting on June 24, 1947, near Mount Rainier, Washington, though it happened three days after the Maury Island incident with Harold Dahl. It was the first widely reported sighting, and it touched off the saucer sensation, as it was written in a 1949 government report on flying saucers. In July 1947, two Army A-2 intelligence officers came to investigate. After leaving in their B-52, or no, sorry, B-25, the next day, the plane caught fire and crashed, killing both officers and doing nothing to quiet UFO conspiracies. But the Maury Island story gained little notice in the UFO community until Barker's 1956 book, in which he wrote of of his, quote, file on the Maury Island case, that largely consisted of the writings of or by Ray Palmer, the Chicago Magazine editor, referred to in the government's report. Barker went on to connect the dots between the man who wore the black suit who doll to breakfast, or to, sorry, who took doll to breakfast, and three similarly dressed men who alleged, allegedly visited a young UFO enthusiast named Albert K. Bender in 1953. It was Bender who almost single-handedly ushered in the plague of the men in black just as Arnold inaugurated the era of the UFO. Ufologist Nick Redfern wrote in his book, The Real Men in Black, but it was Barker that Barker's book that told Bender's story, thus in- introducing the concept of the men in black to a much wider audience. So is the Space Needle a spaceship? Uh, I mean, it looks like a spaceship, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe it's like the, a calling it, card to the alien, like a I mean, lighthouse I'm, I'm for aliens. I'm trying to think, like, what year, I'm trying to think, what year did they build that space needle? Let's find out real quick. Hang on. April 17th, 1961, which is very funny, so you'll find out in just a little while. Oh. Okay. So, it still has an important legacy, said Robert Schaefer, a UFO researcher. Before its publication, nobody outside a very narrow group, narrow group of subscribers to Flying Saucer newsletters had ever heard of Bender or his Men in Black. Baker described Bender's visitors as three men in black suits with threatening expressions on their faces, three men who walk in on you and make certain demands, three men who know that you know what the saucers really are. Bender, in his own uh, 1962 book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, described the men in black uh, in much more frightening language. They floated about a foot off the floor. They looked like clergymen, but wore hats similar to Hamburg style. The faces were not clearly discernible, for the hats partly hid and shaded them. Exactly. That's why you can never see the faces of the mm-hmm. men. Yep. The eyes of all three figures suddenly lit up like flashlight bulbs. They seemed to burn into my very soul as the pains above my eyes became almost unbearable. Uh, Barker would go on to write several more books related to the paranormal and UFOs, including 1970's The Silver Bridge, which helped spread the story of another popular paranormal figure, the creature known as the Mothman. 
But now much of his writing was done in good faith and has been called into question by many UFO research communities. Brucker made it clear to me that he did not take the MIB or Mothman very seriously, says Schaefer. So, like, Moth... That's, like, from Jeepers Creepers, isn't it? Well, we already covered the Mothman. Our first episode was a Mothman. Yeah. And if you remember, they had Men in Black visiting um, witnesses to the Mothman. Schaefer, who corresponded with Baker on occasion, however, the... Or he believed that there was still something mysterious about the whole UFO and paranormal thing. So they would also sometimes show a white card with a crest and the word security on it. In some cases, they refer to each other as numbers instead of names. Think of them as the cleaners of the extraterrestrial universe. So historian Aaron Gullius wrote, during the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, UFO conspiracy theorists would incorporate the men in black into their increasingly complex and paranoid visions. Now, if the name John Keel sounds familiar to you, then you might remember him from the Mothman episode. Ufologist John Keel has argued that some Men in Black encounters can be explained as miscast, entirely mundane events perpetuated through local folklore. In his 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, Keel describes a late-night outing in 1967, rural West Virginia, where he himself was taken for a man in in black while searching for a phone to call a tow truck. In his article, Gray Baker, My Friend, the Myth Maker, John C. Sherwood claims that in the late 1960s, at the age of 18, he cooperated when Gray Barker urged him to develop a hoax, which Baker subsequently published about what Barker called black men, three mysterious UFO inhabitants who silenced Sherwood's pseudonyms identify Dr. Richard H. Pratt. The 1997 science fiction film, Men in Black, starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, was loosely based on the Men in Black comic book series created by Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Carruthers. Cunningham had the idea for the comic once a friend of his introduced him to the concept of government Men in Black upon seeing a black van riding the streets. Something I think of when I think of the Men in Black is the silence from Doctor Who. I don't know if you've seen those episodes yet. I think that might be... That's the silence from Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, okay, I remember that. Oh. Um, the silence are a religious order show, Doctor Who, represented by humanoids with alien-like physical characteristics, and creating the silence shown in The Impossible Astronaut, executive producer Stephen Moffat drew inspiration from Ed- Edward Monk's 1893 expressionist painting to scream, as well as The Men in Black. The silence continues Moffat's trend of using simple psychological concepts to make his monsters uh, more frightening. In this case of the silence, their existence is a secret because anyone who sees them... Now, you've seen Men in Black, right? So you Just listen to what I'm about to say. So anyone who sees them immediately forgets about them after looking away. So like in the... Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Um, like looking here, looking at this light. Ding! Mm-hmm but retain suggestions made to them by the silence. This allows them to have pervasive influence across human history while being difficult to locate or resist. Which, if you've seen the, the movie, the first movie, Men in Black, or any of the Men in Black movies, then you see somewhat of a resemblance in the sense that they can make you forget you ever saw them or any aliens. So, like, whenever people get abducted, they can't, they can't remember? Mm-hmm. They have, like a, they, like, a blip in time where they can't remember anything? Like, they were driving down the road, and then, boom, they're, like, 35 miles down the road, and they don't know what happened. I mean, in a way, I'm, like, 
You gotta be kind of thankful for that because you don't you don't want to remember. No, because like, what is it? I can't remember what <clears throat> movie it was. I think it was like the fourth kind or something. Uh huh. Like all these people were having these similar dreams. Oh, that, that movie was so fucking creepy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't watch that. I can't. I couldn't watch it by myself. Yeah, no. I, wa I watched it with my mom. I was too fucking scared. Uh -huh. I didn't want to watch it by myself. Well, because yeah. of the noise and just... Yeah. But, uh, like, all these people were having dreams about they see an owl with big black eyes. Because mm -hmm. yep. it's like, your brain's replacing that because it... Just the fact, the horror that it can't... It's, it's very similar... You can't recollect... Very similar to children who have had, um traumatic childhoods, they basically create false memories. Yeah. So that's kind of what's happening there. It, your brain is creating false memories. Because you... To, cut, to, to protect you from yeah. remembering. Yeah. Yeah. So, I will say, uh, thank you aliens for that. Right. <laughs> so from a Guardian article um, by Steve Rose from August 2014, it says, hidden among the avalanche of documents leaked by Edward Snowden, there were images from a PowerPoint presentation by GCHQ entitled The Art of Deception, Training for a New Generation of Online Covert Operations. Images include camouflage moths, inflatable tanks, women in burkas, and complex diagrams plastered with jargon, buzzwords, and slogans. Uh, quote, disruption operational playbook, uh, swap the real for the false and vice versa. People make decisions as part of groups and beneath a shot of hands shuffling a deck of cards. We want to build cyber magicians. Curiously, sandwiched in the middle of the document are three photographs of UFOs, not real ones, classic fakes. One was a hubcap, another a bunch of balloons, and one that turned out to be a seagull. <laughs> so devout ufologists might seize upon this article of uh, as further proof that our governments know something about aliens and their transportation methods. But really, it suggests sorry. But really, it suggests the opposite. The UFO community is a textbook case of gullible group of susceptible to manipulation. Having spent too long watching the skies and the X Files, it's implied they'll readily swallow whatever snippet of evidence suits their grand theory. If there really is UFO conspiracies, it's surely the worst kept secret in history. <laughs> Roswell, Area 51, flashing yeah. lights, little green men, abductions, it's all been fed through the pop culture mill to the point of fatigue. Even the supposed enforcers of the secret, the men in black, have their own movie franchise. But a new document, uh, documentary, Mir uh, Mirage Men, unearths compelling evidence that UFO folklore was actually fabricate fabricated by the U.S. government rather than covering up the resistance or existence of aliens, could it be the real conspiracy has been persuading us to believe in them, maybe to cover up something even worse? I feel like I should be wearing like a foil hat right now in the mountains, like talking out of an RV or something. And then we got some aluminum foil in there, honey, help yourself. I'm about right. So the aliens can't read your mind. That's what, that's... If I don't make it home tonight after I leave your place, you know, like, Well, uh, just to be on the safe side, just go ahead and make yourself an aluminum foil hat. <laughs> Okay, so this next part is from uh, BuzzFeed Unsol Unsolved video, The Creepy Real Life Men in Black. Uh, if y'all haven't watched Buzz BuzzFeed Unsolved, you really should because they're informative and hilarious. So they they mentioned Harold Dahl, as I talked earlier, um, and then it wasn't Shane, it was some other guy and Ryan, 
Um, so they list, in Ryan's opinion and mine, the most terrifying reports of encounters with the men in black. So, Robert, Richards, Robert Richardson, Toledo, Ohio, 1967. Robert reported that he collided with a UFO while driving at night in Toledo. On impact, the object vanished. Richardson took home a small lump of metal that he believed was from the UFO. A week later, Richardson said he was visited by two men in black suits. He said the two men asked for the piece of metal from the site, but when Richardson informed, informed them that he had turned it over for testing, they threatened him. Quote, if you, wanna, if you want your wife to stay pretty as she is, and you better get the metal back, end quote. Richardson never heard from the men again and still has no idea how they knew about the metal. What metal? The metal that came off of the craft that he oh, hit. Oh, Yeah. Like, dude, you don't take stuff. Just leave stuff alone. I know, right? Don't touch it. So Don't go near it. Right. Radioactive. <laughs> just saying. Just it's like, uh, like with um, mummies. Like, whenever you visit, like, the, the car... Sophagus or whatever the fuck it's called. The sarcophagus. There you go. Flipping tombs. Okay, let's go tomb raid. Right? And like taking shit from the tombs and then you wonder why something happens. Mm -hmm. So the next encounter happened in New Jersey in 1968. You notice a, a theme here. It's 60s, 70s, like the Space Needle was built in 61. Mm-hmm. That happened in 47 and 49. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is like a lighthouse for aliens. Who knows? So, the next encounter happened in New Jersey in 1968. Jack Robinson, a UFO researcher, and his wife Mary were terrorized by a man in black that would stand across the street from their apartment building. They reported their apartment had been rummaged through, and after seeing a strange man for three days in a row, their friend, Timothy Green Beckley, decided to get a closer look and managed to snap a picture. It is one of the few occurrences of a man in black on film. The next encounters are more bizarre and offer strange, stranger implications. On September 11, 1976, Dr. Herbert, Herbert Hopkins, a doctor living in Maine, was studying a UFO incident when he reportedly got a phone call from a man who identified himself as a representative of a New Jersey UFO organization. The man asked if Hopkins was alone and if they could review research. Dr. Hopkins agreed, and by the time he hung up the phone and turned on the outside light, Dr. Hopkins claimed the man was already somehow coming up the stairs to his door. Oh, Now, creepy. this was 1976, so it's like, not like they had cell phones. If they did, yeah. they weren't, like, everybody, it wasn't, like, readily available for everybody like we have now. But, if pro but they could have probably tapped his phones, because that was back also when people would, like... Nixon. Yeah, they raid in your house, and they tapped for phones. Uh-huh. Because they would put, I think, like, what they would unscrew... Unscrew it, and they put a device in there, and then screw yeah. it back. Yeah. And then they found, oh, people are figuring this out. Uh-huh. So, Hopkins' description of the man is the most horrifying yet. The man wore a neatly tailored black suit. He was bald with no eyebrows, no eyelashes, and had smooth, dead, white plastic skin like a doll. His lips, strangely enough, were ruby red, and his speech was expressionless and monotone, as if you were listening to a machine. The man in black Hopkins told, or to, I'm oh, sorry, the man in black told Hopkins to take out a coin and said, quote, watch the coin. Hopkins claims, quote, it started to develop a silver, a silver color instead of copper, and then the silver became bluish, and the penny was getting quite fuzzy, out of focus, and blurred, and then it was simply gone. It slowly de dematerialized, end quote. Mm -hmm. After that, Hopkins said the man ordered him to destroy the UFO research. The next encounter is one of my favorites because it's from one of my favorite actors, Dan Aykroyd. 
Um, yeah. In January 2002, Aykroyd sold a show called Out There to Sci-Fi Network, to the Sci-Fi Network, that would break serious ground on a wide range of topics in the alien media landscape, including UFOs, crop circles, abductions, etc. In the middle of conducting further interviews for the show, Dan stepped outside for a break, and in some, I think he said in an interview that he, because it was around the time that Britney Spears' movie Crossroads came out, mm-hmm. and I think he played her dad in the movie, and so I think he phoned Britney while he was outside. But that's redundant with this. But um, he reported seeing a black Ford sedan appear across the street. Dan reports that one large man in a black in black in a black suit got out of the car and gave Dan a dirty look. Dan said he looked away for a brief second, and when he returned back, the car was gone. What the fuck? Like just like in a hot second? Just gone. I'll show you the interview after this. Um, we were told. Dan said, "Quote: We were told we were not to continue taping." or whenever he got back inside, the producers of the show came to Dan and said, we were told that we were not continue taping and the show was canceled and none of the episodes would air. The last encounter was on October 14th, 2008, near Niagara Falls, and I'm not sure if it's New York or Canada, um, but a hotel manager, Shane Sovar, along with a hotel security guard, reported seeing a large triangular UFO outside the hotel. A group called the Aerial Phenomenon Investigations Team looked into the incident. They reported that a couple weeks later, according to three witnesses, two unidentified men in black visited the hotel. The men in black terrified staff and were looking for Shane and the security guard, who were luckily not there at the time. When Shane reviewed the security footage, he discovered the camera actually caught the two men. Sovar reported that the witnesses described the men as, again, tall, black suits, black hats, identical faces, extremely pale skin, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, and abnormally large eyes. A woman who spoke with the men claimed that she felt that the men knew what she was thinking. So, are the men in black real or just a long-running hope? <laughs> I'm scared to answer. I know, right? I think they're real, because I don't put anything yeah. past anything anymore. I, I believe in everything now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after I did this research last night, I was I went into the living room, and I'm like, I gotta watch Disney Plus or something. I was, like, so freaked out. <laughs> you want something happy. And yeah, and I really don't get freaked out by shit, like, ever, so... Yeah. It's like, can I just, you know, just think of it. Can I just continue Moon and Black? It's Will Smith. It's the movie. Right. It's just a movie. It's just Not a real. movie. I wish I could get one of those neuralizers and just be like, <laughs> I don't remember anything. I don't remember shit. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. I won't remember after this episode. Right? <laughs> um, I have a lot of... Mm, Don John forget Right. Um, so it really makes you think like are they like sent by another planet are they sent by the government like our government are they sent by it's just weird like yeah they're all described similar mm-hmm. real pale like <sighs> almost like a slender man type of situation that's what it reminds me of mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know. I don't either. I'm good. <laughs> I don't remember shit. No. I don't remember nothing. We never talked about this. This no, never happened. Never talked about it. Well, like, Brohio, they did an episode on Men in Black, and, like, the episode got, like, taken down for, like, a week or something, and the, it got put back up. But it got taken down. Dude, I'm scared. You know what? We're not gonna put this out. <laughs> We're not really gonna put this episode This is up. just practice. Yeah. No. This, I'm not, I don't know her. <laughs> My name's Sam. <laughs> yeah, Sam. 
Bartholomew. <laughs> Live in Kentucky. Yeah, we live in Kentucky. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was the Men in Black. So, that's all for the today. The movie. The movie. The we're movie. Yeah, the we movie. were discussing the movie yeah. with, with Will Smith and Tommy Will Lee Smith. Jones. That was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Uh-huh. That was awesome. Awesome. The, the last one I haven't seen, but I heard it sucked with Chris Hemsworth and. Yeah. Oh, the. Is it um, Valkyrie? Is that the girl that played in the movie? Yeah, because yeah, she Valkyrie. also she also played as a val- Valkyrie. Valkyrie, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's so weird that they played in that together and they were in Thor together. I mean, I mean, I think they work great together. Probably. Yeah, yeah, because they're both fucking funny. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, that was um. To be honest, I kind of fell asleep because we did <laughs> did watch it and yeah, I kind of fell asleep, but you know, I fall asleep at. Anything. You fall asleep. You have like narcolepsy. <laughs> yeah, I smell a um, pot and I fall asleep. <laughs> like I walked into the room the other day whenever we had our Disney sleepover and you're just laying there like, <sighs> I'm like, hello. <laughs> no, I'm not asleep. <laughs> That's what happens when you smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I'm trying not to smoke so much, you know, so, you know, to be active. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to have to be active for... Uh, yeah. At Disney, you're going to have to be active. You need a lot of water, Gatorade. Mm-hmm. A lot of sanitar- sanitizer. Yeah. And gloves and masks. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. Wear your mask. People, wash your hands. Please. Keep the fuck away from me. And wash like, your hands, and wash your ass, wear a mask. And y'all say you're vaccinated, which I know you're not. Oh, I'm vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Because I can't ask you that. Yeah. So, no, I'm not taking my chance. No. No, fam. So, uh, that's all for today. So, be be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to The Creep Show, available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Audible, and many more. So, that's all for today. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye-bye. To send us a recommendation for future episodes, email us at thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. And you can also look for us on Facebook, The Creep Show Podcast, and Instagram.